Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We got down to about uh, 35 degrees last night, so my morning uh, cold rainwater shower was, it was fun. Uh, Good morning, Uh, this is Patrick Timpone, and uh, our place here is OneRadioNetwork.com. Hope you had a, a nice weekend. Uh, our computer did funny things over the weekend, so we were a little late. We had to get some help from our geek, and he got us all straightened out, so we're ready to go with Dr. Jennifer Daniels, who who's in the green room in Panama waiting, but she's looking good, not green. And she's got some show-and-tells here this morning before we take your, uh, your questions for her. We have lots of them, but you can join the Get in, get in the queue, as they say in Europe. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, Veris Ahmad, who's into some really cool things, Regina farming, um, fat, uh, all kinds of uh, great things that we like to talk about, diet and nutrition, and, and uh, even some crazy things that we love too, history. So it's going to be fun. That'll be tomorrow. Then we have a lady on that is, uh, her specialties is abundance. She's got some keys on how to bring in more dough. <laughs> more dough, not Play-Doh either, more dough. And then uh, Adam Bergstrom on Wednesday. Adam 2.0 is one week later because he had a little uh, 400 inches of rain in California. It was rained out. And then Richard Proctor, our constitutional man, his new book, called The Secret Lies of the Bankers of the Bank, The Hidden Lies of the Bankers or something like that uh, is out and uh, I have it. It's really good. And so uh, we're going to bring him back. He was here a few months ago talking about it coming out, but we thought we'd plug the book and it's really good information that it's important to know about money. Uh, again, it is the um, 23rd, a little bit late getting started, but Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com or triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Now we're going to go to the great country of Panama, where Dr. Jennifer Daniels hangs out. And wait a minute, I don't see you on screen. All I see is your. No, I don't see you. Okay, well, hold on. A you have the wrong picture there. I got, I got an old. Picture. I got an old picture there. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. I got an old picture. Hold on. <laughs> there you are. See. How's that even possible? Good morning, dear. What's going on? How Good are you? morning. How are you doing? There is a lot going on. Really? I'm always exploring new things. Oh. Yes, as uh, we probably mentioned before, I'm 65 years old, and I'm entering that stage of life where one can easily uh, stagnate and just uh, become a mummy. And literally, people end their lives before they physically drop dead. Because I just say, oh, kids are raised, uh, you know, married, great marriage, great life, buried my husband, okay, just sit around and wait. <laughs> and uh, yeah. no. I understand. So what I'm now doing in this phase of my life is finding creative ways to uh, naturally manage remaining functional and uh, fully alert at this phase of my life and it's pretty exciting actually and one thing i started with which i'd recommend anyone start with is 
go back to your youth when you were young and make a list of all the things you wanted to do that you just never got around to hmm. and start doing them. Some people say, oh, bucket list, but I think the bucket list is the wrong uh, perspective because it's like, what do I want to do before I die? Yeah. It's what do I want to do while I'm alive? And so all these things, all these frustrations, all these questions you have when you were a kid, hmm. like I would say, mom, why are we buying bread from the store? Can we make our own bread? Shut up, we're buying it from the store. And so <laughs> now <laughs> I experiment with making my own bread and I just had to be seriously patient. And um, I tried the usual, you know, uh, overnight bread, you know, you let it rise in a refrigerator. I tried the sourdough bread, you know, you take a month to uh, rot some flour to make it rise. It doesn't work. Uh, that's all I have to say. It doesn't work. So the ones where the people actually get the dough to rise, they throw in some commercial yeast and just use the sourdough for flavor. Like, okay, fine. End of that discussion. But then I realized. <laughs> I don't think that's that necessarily I, true, but go ahead. I'm not just of, telling you my experience. Oh, your experience. Okay. videos on it. Yeah. I got you. Okay. I got you. It just, <laughs> I don't experience it on that. I don't talk about it, right? Because I don't know. It didn't work for you. But you know, I went work. over, you know, trying to make the sourdough, taking the one day, two days, three days, even a week, whatever it took. And, you know, making my own sourdough uh, culture for, you know, 24 days, whatever. So, uh, my final conclusion on that was the sourdough gives it flavor, but you know, yeast makes it rise. Well, then I had the other problem. My good old bread from my childhood was not uh, as tough as cardboard. Sourdough may be great, but it's pretty darn chewy, to put it uh, politely. So I said, okay, how do I make that soft bread? Turns out to make bread soft, you need water. You need milk and you need sugar. That's got to go in in the dough. But then the other problem is how do you keep the dough from collapsing? Secret ingredient, gelatin or pectin. So that way when it rises and it, you heat in the oven hits it, bam, it holds its shape. So I've done all of that stuff with bread and that's been quite an odyssey spanning <laughs> over really two years, const, you know, constantly experimenting because once I make a loaf, I have a couple of choices. I can either throw it away or I can put it in the freezer, eat it slice by slice over a period of a month. So this makes the experimentation go very slowly if I'm not going to waste a bread. So that's why it took two years. <laughs> so today I'm on to uh, hibiscus. As you know, last year this time, the hibiscus uh, became ripe, which it has again. So here's some hibiscus. Let me put you in here. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. There we go. Hibiscus. They're beautiful. And that is, people call it a flower because the fruit looks like leaves, but this is not, the leaf is, is a flower. Well, it's not the flower, it's the fruit. It's a fruit. And you peel it open, yeah, peel it open. Right here, I'll show you. And there is the pod, the seed pod. And inside the seed pod are the seeds. And so this is not a flower, this is the actual fruit. All right. So last year I made jam, and this year I made jam again. It's beautiful hibiscus jam. Yeah, it's pretty. Beautiful color, and it tastes great. However, as a kid, my favorite was jelly. So I decided this year, take the next step and make hibiscus jelly. I'd like to say that all those people who aspire to make jelly, and you've read all the complicated uh, instructions on how to use pectin, use pectin, don't use pectin, whatever. Flush all that information. It's excessively complicated. 
If you do that, you'll never make jelly again. So I'm here to tell you, 30 minutes or less from this to jelly. Is that right? Oh. Yes. And once I figured that out, like, oh, I was almost embarrassed that my parents ever bought jelly. <laughs> it, 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 head shaker, right? So all you do is, uh, you don't even need to peel this. You can throw everything just, in the pot. Just cook it. The fruit mm -hmm. and the pot. Uh -huh. Just throw it in the pot. Mm -hmm. If you want to rinse it, fine. If you don't, that doesn't matter either. Just throw it in the pot. And I dress it up, you know, a few sticks of cinnamon, um, some nutmeg. But you don't even have to do that. So throw it in the pot. Cover with water halfway. Simmer it, like I said, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you strain it. And now you have this liquid, which is intensely uh, red. And stir vigorously. And drop in about a teaspoon of pectin per two cups of liquid. Doesn't take much. Stir it in, stir it in, stir it in. You can add more pectin if you want to. It will literally solidify before your eyes in about mm, two minutes. Wow. Yes. Then you have to work quickly. <laughs> Pour it in your jars before it solidifies. If you let it cool, it will literally solidify. So now here you have it. And this I just made two days ago. I'll be and there. that is jelly. Done. Did it take uh, uh, um How did you figure out how much sugar to put in? You just taste and... Oh, the next step. So now you've got the pectin in, and you, you think it, oh, I'm sorry, before the pectin, you add your sugar. So the way you figure out the sugar is you eyeball yeah. how much you think is in the pot, and um, you put in that amount of sugar. It takes guts, but yes, that amount of sugar. It takes a lot, of, takes a lot sugar, of sugar. Tomato. Yeah. It's, sugar is the preservative, so you cannot be shy about the sugar. Yeah. All right, so you put the sugar in, then you stir in the pectin, and if you really want to make it good, they're easy for yourself. Mix the pectin and the sugar, and that way the pectin dissolves easily. Mm -hmm. But even if you mess it up, and I did mess it up, and the pectin clumps, if you just hit it with a whisk, it takes care of it. Now, online, they will tell you skim off the foam. Skim off the foam. This actually makes a pretty big head foam in the pot. So skim off the foam, and the foam, they don't even tell you what to do with it. I'll tell you. Skim the foam off and use that as if it's jelly, and it tastes awesome, amazing. It's great. But at any rate. Put this in a jar, and this will keep easily for a year till the next season. And um, you can use it. And it's just that simple. It's super simple. Mm. And so now, what do you do with the jelly? Yeah. A lot of people think that you eat it on bread with toast. You could. You could. Okay. But the key concept is understand the word preserves. So this was a way, historically, of preserving the nutritional value, the flavor, everything of the fruit for the full year till the next season. So you can take this, put a tablespoon in some water, and you know, you've know you got a nice, refreshing beverage. You can take this and use a, a teaspoon in your tea as a sweetener. You can take this and stir it in with your maple syrup, and now you have fruit-flavored syrup for a fraction of the price, and none of the trouble of uh, buying fruit-flavored syrup. Hmm. So any place where you would ordinarily use fruit, in your cooking, you can just put in a few spoons of this and cut back on the sugar the recipe calls for. Could you do, could you make jelly with pretty much any kind of fruit? I thought about that. The easiest answer is yes. The truth of the matter is, because of the texture and the behavior of the fruit, something like, say, a peach would uh, deteriorate and clog up the strainer and it just wouldn't work. 
So I say any fruit that's like two inches or less in size, or if it has uh, integrity that's basically maintained. So uh, grapes, blueberries, uh, obviously hibiscus, even strawberries would work. But the point is you want a fruit that once you simmer it for 30 minutes, you can still strain it. That would not okay. be a plum, right? The plum would, would thicken the whole thing too much. And that's why with the plum, um, you just boil it and then just puree it and you're done. And you have that prune um, compote almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the fruit in terms of your ease of success. So hibiscus, perfect. Cranberries, um, most any berry is perfect. And you are you growing your own hibiscus trees too? Are you planting those? Ah, uh, good story. So last year, I saw these three beautiful hibiscus. They're really bushes that are like six to ten feet tall. And so I asked the um, owner if I could pick the hibiscus. So yeah, sure. So I made jelly and I gave him two jars of jelly, of jam. Sorry, jam. And he was so excited that this year he planted literally a forest for me. I mean, it's like <laughs> 10 trees. <laughs> I can start a factory or something. You could go to business. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Well, I just, I, just, uh, I just give them away. But, uh, no, I don't have my own personal um, forest. However, that's a good question. So he told me, and I did not understand or believe him, but he was right. He says, you know, these are easy to grow. And so here are the seeds. There are so many. And let me see if I can show you. There we go. So oh. I have right now over a cup of these seeds, which is hundreds of seeds. They're little tiny ones too, aren't they? Yes. Each one grows into a plant. Hmm. So I tried to plant them last year, but the iguanas ate them all. So I thought. But one plant escaped and managed to grow to three feet in height and produce fruit. And so there in my front yard is this one pitiful little hibiscus plant. So now I have um, plans to protect my hibiscus from the iguanas and the gardener, who's obviously been cutting this thing back. And so hopefully next year I'll have my own little forest. Yeah. And I can harvest the hibiscus at my doorstep. Your own little, your own little forest. Dr. Jennifer Daniels is yeah. in uh, Panama. You've been there for, what, 10 years now? 10 years? 15. 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's great. <laughs> Do you really like it down there, don't you? Well, life is easy. Yeah. And uh, a lot of life being easy is me having a different perspective. So a lot of people say, oh, Dr. Daniel, should I leave the United States? And so after 15 years of living, ingesting, increasing my happiness, I realized that a lot of it was uh, changing the way I look at things. Yes. So that brings us to our uh, thing in the back here. So this is uh, a doily, rather large doily. You might call it a tablecloth. So I crocheted this and I started on January 1st. And as you can see, it's quite a bit of- It's pretty big. Yeah, pretty big. And this is something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. I've always wanted to make a little doily. But it was I thought it was too complicated. I could never figure it out. Uh, 
all kinds of reasons why. I didn't know how, what would I use, how would I do it? And so I taught myself to crochet about seven months ago. And then I decided, well, you know, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to finally make a doily. And I started looking at doily patterns, and I didn't really like any of them. But I found this one that I liked. And I said, you know what? I, I, I think I might be able to make that. So I learned a lot of lessons making this. It's the same lessons I learned uh, about really being happy. And it's basically in the present. The present stitch you're doing is all that matters. The stitch before, the stitch after, irrelevant. And it's the same with life, with happiness, even with health. It's what you're doing today that matters. People will tell me, oh, you know, Dr. Daniels, I had a head injury 10 years ago. Oh, Dr. Daniels, you know, when I was inside my mother, she didn't eat right. Oh, Dr. Daniels, you know, uh, I got uh, vaccinated five years ago. They have all these re things in the past yes. that they are allowing to determine their present. Yes. So forget that. And then there's the future. Well, you know, I'm going to want to fill in the blank. No, 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 no. Just do the best you can today. Hmm. And also, um, so I started making smaller projects, like the dresses for my grandkids. And I, show you, I showed you those. And um, I crippled my middle finger. And it got where it could not touch my palm because all the tension and the um, crocheting. So if you go online, everyone will tell you, it's unanimous, oh, um, you have to hold the, the string a little looser. Well, if you hold it looser, all your stitches are a mess. So the real trick, and I've cured myself, as you can see, this finger can now go all the way down and touch my palm before it stopped right there. It couldn't go any further than that. Hmm. But now, as you can see, I cured myself. How did I cure myself? I cured myself by discovering the problem was when you crochet, as with many things, you need all of your fingers. So when the, this hook pulls a string, this hand has got to release it. And when this hook stops pulling, you got all the string you want. This hand then holds the string, and then there's no tension. But if this one's trying to pull and this one's pulling the other way, you get the tension, you get strain on your tendons, you get tendonitis, and you get a crippled up hand. And you have to say, oh, I can't finish my project. I've got to take a one-week break or two-week break until my hand heals. So now, the only thing that made this project possible for me to complete this much in clearly less than a month is I figured out that this hand has got to cooperate with this hand. And I could not work against myself. When I want thread, this hand has to let go and release the thread. If I don't want any more thread, this hand can just gently hold the thread. And so with that, it went very quickly, and I had no hand pain, and I was able to finish it. Not finish it. I have two more rows to go. But it's so close to finish that I figured I would uh, uh, show it to you. So I learned that. And, and uh, people got an email yesterday, and somebody uh, wrote, about eight paragraphs. <clears throat> <laughs> the gist of it is they were doing a lot of stuff and they were feeling worse. And a lot of people think that's because they're sick. No. It's because the stuff they're doing is making them worse. Yeah. They are actually, just like this maneuver, mm -hmm. they're working against themselves. Mm -hmm. This, uh, their immune system wants this. It's like, and they're creating stress, creating disease, creating discomfort, pain, and everything. And so their solution, of course, in this five paragraph was, I want to add one more thing. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add turpentine. Of course, I didn't read the report, right? 
So the person's bathing themselves in turpentine. So they're obviously going to eat, reach a poisonous, toxic amount of that. It's just terrible. So most people who are sick or who are experiencing stress or life difficulties, they can tell you it's someone else's fault. It's the government. It's their neighbor. It's their spouse. It's some corporation somewhere. But the truth of the matter is you can really be happy and healthy anywhere and it's only dependent on what you do. And if you are ill, it's because you're working against yourself. There's something that you are doing that's making you ill. And also something that you're not doing that could make your life easier. And so this is what I've learned after 15 years of being here, but also just for this crochet project, a real um, eye-opener. The other thing I learned is you can look at this complex project. I think most people looking at it would say, I could never do that. (laughs) Because for 64 years of my life, I said the same thing. So what I learned was if you can just take things one step at a time. And all you need to know to get something done is do what you're doing well. The step that you're on, just do that well. And then when you need to know the next step, get that information, and that's the way it goes. Like each row in this, and I'll, you don't have to count them, I'll tell you, it's 36 rows. So each row is different from the row before. And when I was doing one row, all I knew how to do was that row. Mm. I did not know how to do the next row. So I did that row, completed it, and then went to the next row. If people can live their life this way and approach their health this way, they would be a lot healthier, a lot happier, and it would be a lot, uh, a lot easier. Uh, the other thing I learned was to be flexible. So I went through three hook sizes and two hook types uh, to get the one that was the easiest and gave the best results. So that's another thing in life. You can get all the instructions that you want from other people, but you have to be flexible. You have to adapt it to yourself. Mm. And yeah. So for me, this doily was a really amazing, positive experience. And I was just taking it one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And it really wasn't until yesterday when I took a look at the whole totality of what I'd done and said, wow, I really did something. Mm. Because, you know, I've been uh, sharing it, of course, with my friends. They're like, oh, wow, that's impressive. That's great. Now, you haven't seen the whole pattern, so I'm going to show you the whole pattern. Okay, let me put you on that thing yeah ready yeah it's really really beautiful wow yeah so that's the whole um pattern and i can't hold the sides out for you but you get the idea yeah so you're almost done i see you got some strings on there yeah i've only got two rows and then i have to finish off the strings and you know so so if you can see this this is table here uh this is about the only eating table i have so i'm gonna have to go out and search for a table it's which is quite quite the impressive cloth, so it's worth getting a table to fix it. Oh, I think it. so. Yeah. My grandmother used to have a thing like that on her table. Yeah. I don't know yeah. where she got it. No. Hmm. Now, once you make this, uh, that's pretty much it. This is not going to need to be <laughs> replaced next week, next year, or 10 years from that. And you can wash it? You can wash it, too? Yeah, so you have to put it in a bra bag, you know, a bag that yeah. you, you use for delicate clothes, mm-hmm. and then you can just throw it in the washer on the delicate cycle, mm-hmm. and, it, and it works very nicely. And then when you pull it out, don't you put it in the dryer. Don't you. Because so it'll you, shrink, right? It'll shrink. Um, it'll destroy the fabric, uh-huh. yeah, it'll, it, and the, the proportions and the design won't be maintained. So you just lay it flat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
right on the table where you want to put it and it will dry. When we were kids, that's what mom used to do with all the sweaters. She would lay them flat, you know. Somehow she'd yes. wash sweaters, I think in a sink maybe. I don't know how she did it, but then she would lay, I'd see them in the basement. They'd all be on towels and flat, laying flat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very, very nice. But again, those lessons I learned while making the doily were just really nice. Also, you want to ask, my friend said, well, Jennifer, you must have never left the house, staying inside, working on this thing the whole month. I said, no, I just pack it with me. And if I'm on the bus, I crochet. Hmm. And if I'm waiting for something, I'm going to get to a jujitsu class early. I just crochet. Um, and instead of going online, social media, I crochet. Crochet. Yeah. And so I've, I've not had to set aside crochet time to get this done. That's right. Another amazing thing. I think and once you do that, you realize how much of your time you're allowing to fritter away. So it's again, just so many lessons I've learned from this. That's great. Process. Really appreciate the way you've explained it because I think it's beneficial for us all to understand that whatever we're doing, gardening or cooking, whatever, if we pay attention and just take a step at a time, we're learning something. Are we learning about ourselves and about life? And it just works like that. That's the way it works. It's great. Yeah, and also a lot of things that are, are seemingly complicated that you're spending a tremendous amount of time and energy on mm -hmm. may actually be very simple. Like making this jar of jelly, I don't even think it's 10 cents of sugar, which is the only ingredient I had to pay for, right? water, no charge, the fruit I picked. It's super simple. Super duper. Okay, yeah. let's get you back in the center of the screen a little bit. There, there you go, and then we're going to do a quick little break here, and we're going to talk about a few of our products, and then we're going to take all of your uh, questions, lots of them. Somebody's on hold already. Well, good morning. This is, um, it's a Monday. We have uh, quite a few really nice products that we promote, and that's how we support ourselves. So if you have some extra bucks around and you look at our website and say, what can I, you know, I think I want to do something. So we have uh, sulfur, which is a pure organic sulfur. I do this little guy uh, every morning, not that what I do matters, but and make hydrogen water, and then we put sulfur in there. And then I've also been uh, experimenting with um, sea salt in the water and I'm going to talk to Dr. Jenner's, Jennifer Daniels about that. It's really interesting using salt this way, as somebody told me about. So that's what we do. We do the hydrogen water. We have a great hydrogen machine uh, on our website. It's called Holy, Holy Hydrogen. And uh, it's, I think it's a step up from what we were doing. There's no lie. Uh, there's no maintenance. No maintenance at all. And there's also, um, I think, a um, just a, an upgrade in technology where, um, from Japan. And these people are the real hydrogen experts of the world. Most of the big studies coming out of, of uh, in the world, peer-reviewed studies, uh, are from Japan on MolecularHydrogenInstitute.com. So many different things we have. I'm doing the X3. I did mine this morning which is a variable resistance exercise. And uh, uh, this is very powerful. Um, took me about 15, 20 minutes this morning. I like doing it in the morning now because I'm stronger in the morning. 
and I can just get more repetitions, and I keep track of them with a little cheat, and uh, you can get muscles and get, get stronger. And to Dr. Jennifer Daniels' argument about when we do stuff and pay attention, even with this, when you just say, I'm going to do it, and then you do it, then you are just getting stronger spiritually and emotionally and mentally, right? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then you do it. That's a, it's a very powerful thing to do. If you are interested in uh, hedging against uh, um, the dollar being uh, just getting bushwhacked, uh, um, uh, the real number of inflation in this country is probably 20%, 25%. Um, it's kind of getting like Zimbabwe. Um, you know, the government will tell you it's 8%, but they make it up. So if uh, the best way I know how to hedge against inflation is get some gold and silver coins for your underwear drawer, the way to do that is Fred Dashevsky, 800-878-2646. Fred, as the um, uh, former partner of Andrew Goss, who I met in the early 90s, did shows with for 25 years. He's the real deal. Uh, and uh, he left us. Uh, he just left us. I don't know how he did it. So Fred had to regroup his company, but Fred's very ethical, and he's just a wonderful guy. But this is the way to do it. Don't just go to somebody that you see on late night TV and buy gold. Uh, it's not going to end well for you. Trust me. It's some people you trust, and they're not going to sell you something just because you're on the phone. 800-878-2646. And finally, we'll get back to Jennifer General Daniels. I can say her name is Omica Organics. And this is probably the best uh, shower filter we know for street water. No matter where you live, unless you're on rainwater, or a well, uh, there's got some stuff in, in the street water that you really don't want to shower in. Most of the shower filters, I don't know any, any shower filter that'll take them out, take all the goobies out like this will. It really will do it. Um, so check it out. It's on Mica Organics. It's on our website. And uh, get a shower filter. Put that puppy on there. And then they also have an attachment you can use to then fill the bathtub up. If you like to take a bath, and then you cannot have the, the fluoride and I don't know, all the stuff that they put in city water. So that, that's, a, that's a good way to go as well. Know the Source on One Radio Network. Dr. Jennifer, Dr. D, do you use, uh, um, work with, when you worked with patients, I know you don't do that much anymore, because um, one of the people emailed me, said you were having them take a lot of salt some, for some yes. reason. Now, let, me, let me give you a quick story, and I want to get your take on it, because it's really fascinating. We had a fellow on, Doc, about a week ago in the Amazon rainforest, really cool guys, blogs, or a lot of nutrition and stuff, and I was telling him that every now and then I still get this little tummy thing, right? And I, was, I told him over the years, I really think it's, something's wrong with that little sphincter or valve in the upper thing, letting it come up every now and then, you know? And he said, he said, you're probably just dehydrated down there. And I said, what? He said, he said, why don't you get a really good sea salt? I mean, get a real sea salt, not something that's been heated and put a teaspoon in every quart of water. And that will help your, your stomach thing kind of rehydrate. And do you know, within a week, my poops are coming out like super special. So I'm going to ask you why that is. And, and, and then the stomach thing feels better down there. 
in a week of drinking salt water. And I'm just doing a teaspoon of the sea salt and a quart of water mm -hmm. twice a day. Right. That's what I'm doing. So what, what do you make of that? I'm just amazed. I'm just going, wow. Well, salt, yeah. Salt is a natural laxative. And so that's why your poops are so much better. The other thing, though, is the reason for this reflux, basically, is what you're describing, is that things aren't moving forward fast enough. Fast enough. Correct. And any salt you use would work. If you use Morton salt, it would work. Mm. So you can do the experiment, like next week, try the same thing, use Morton salt or some kind of commercial, just over-the-counter salt. So the key ingredient is sodium chloride. None of the other ingredients matter. So even though sea salt may have uh, many virtues, uh, the active ingredient is sodium chloride. So that's why it works. In fact, the medical industrial complex did its own uh, studies. This is back in the 80s, a long time ago, on people with reflux and ulcer disease and distress and found that simple water drinking cured it. But, you know, I understand what you're saying, but um, there's many cases when the food, I can feel it, it's gone, but there is still a reason why the little flap thing was not closing. Exactly. I'm telling you, the salt is an extra okay. cleansing. I thought, you, I thought I heard you say because the food's not moving through fast enough. Well, not the, 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 the organisms that are causing your irritation are being left. So, sure, the bulk of your food is moving along, but there's this uh, residual left, and simple salt water gets rid of it. And it kind of tastes good, too, you know? Yeah, it's not bad. No, no, I like and it. So I think it's unfortunate. Again, the medical industrial complex has given people many um, health goals, low salt, low cholesterol, it's, it's endless, low, low blood pressure. Right. And all of these targets, even the blood glucose, you know, hemoglobin A1C below, whatever. So all of these targets, if you meet them, will destroy your health. <laughs> and so then people come to me and they'll say, oh, Dr. Daniels, I want to control my blood sugar, but I want to do it naturally. Well, you're, you're just going to kill yourself naturally using natural means. So in other words, the lower end of normal hemoglobin A1C, it does not correspond with the number at which disease does not occur. So the public thinks that these um, numbers are research scientifically arrived at and that people with good health have this number of this is the low end and that's the high end and they're in between. That's not true. You have a health range where healthy people are here and they give the public, say, aim for these numbers. This is where your number should be. Yeah. And so the public aims for these cholesterol figures, excellent example. So here you have 200. So it turns out that 200 to 250, you're going to get by. 250 to 350, awesome, amazing health. Okay, so what do they tell the public? Keep your cholesterol below 200. And so then people say to me, well, Dr. Dance, I want to lower my cholesterol below 200, but I want to do it naturally. And I'm like, <sighs> why do you want to lower Because <laughs> they told me. Right? <laughs> Not that, but it gets you refocused away from being healthy to being obedient. Mm, yeah, well said. Yeah. yeah. And, and over over the years, too, you talked about salt, and, and uh, what else did you mention? Um, I think sugar's been demonized, too. I mean... Really? It's not poison? Okay, no. The question is, well, first of all, the brain runs on sugar. All the brain uses is sugar. So you cut sugar out of your diet, gonna go a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Does it make that noise? So the question is, <laughs> why is your body unable to quickly and easily use sugar? And the answer, wait for it, is because your cholesterol level is too low. So what, if you have how does the cholesterol, cholesterol play level, how does the cholesterol play in it? The cholesterol okay. structurally fortifies the brain so it can quickly use that sugar. Oh. Hmm. Also, throughout the rest of the body, the cholesterol is a major ingredient in your cell membranes, regulating communication between cells and getting cells to efficiently do their job, like suck up sugar, use it, and convert it to energy. And so when you lower your cholesterol, your tolerance for sugar is like zero. You know, a spoonful of sugar is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> does it make that face when you do that? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> wow, boy, such so much bad information from the from the industrial. Context. Yeah, you don't even know like where to start, and then you try and talk to people about. We'll call it. We won't even call it the truth. I understand. We'll just call it how to be healthy. You're like, oh, forget you. Obviously, you don't know. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I'm gonna talk to a doctor. Uh, I went to medical school. And thank God, love them. They go online, and then it's just a black hole from there, right? Just well, the online stuff is so heavily, heavily censored. It is heavily censored. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So you can look up, um, like, for example, I went to medical school in the 80s, and it was well understood in the 80s, somewhere up to 1990, that there's something called um, alcoholic diabetes. Literally. You can have a number of blood sugar, uh, say 100. Go on a drinking binge. Maybe drink, I don't know, a case of beer, throw in some dr heavy drinks, whatever. And the next day, wake up, your blood sugar is 500. That has been totally erased from the internet. You cannot find that. Hmm. And literally, people are being diagnosed with diabetes. They end up in the emergency room, blood sugar is checked, blood sugar is 500. Oh, the person's diabetic. They put the person on insulin for the rest of their lives and literally kill that person. There, I've seen cases, real cases, studies, and Adam Bergstrom brought it up. Uh, long ago, they used to cure diabetes with sugar. <laughs> Seriously, they did. Some guys, some doctors were doing it. They were getting rid of what call, whatever diabetes is. You know, I mean, I don't even know what it is. So a lot, well, the other thing, too, is there's two types of diabetes, and I don't mean type 1, type 2. I mean, there's diabetes insipidus, where the kidneys are overly active and put out too much water and deplete electrolytes. Uh -huh. That certainly be cured with sugar. So um, we have to separate what kind of diabetes. So in the old days, that would be prior to, certainly prior to 1960, both all the diabetes, whether it's diabetes insipidus, type 1 and type 2, were all lumped together. I see. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what they worked on here. Well, right. let's, let's dig into some emails. We have lots of them. Um, and we started late. Oh, God. Um, Cindy's got <laughs> Cindy's got something that, that I can't even D-U-P-U-Y-T-R-E-N-N contracture in her finger. Oh, the Bluetooth contracture. So that's what I was on my way of getting. That's what which you is basically the finger was contracting and I wouldn't be able to straighten it or bend right. it. Yeah. So the Bluetooth contracture. Okay, my brother right. had that. What is that? What, what happened? What, what's causes? Just what I told you. They're using their hand in such a way that they're working against themselves. Maybe it's a job that they have, maybe it's a hobby they have, whatever. So if they could just take a little look, find it out, and just get rid of it, that's help. But now the problem is she's already got this finger frozen right. and she's doing right. yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So yeah. the simplest cure, 
and it's not exactly simple, but it's just to submerge your hand in castor oil for about an hour a day, just submerge it. And that's going to dissolve the scarring around uh, that tendon. And then what you want to do is you want to, once you've got it submerged in the castor oil, is you want to try and straighten, straighten, it's not going to be easy, but straighten it out. <laughs> and also you want to, in your diet, you want to start eating a lot of tendons. So since Steubentrin's contracture, we know it's one of her fingers. That would be an extremity. So maybe eat um, chicken feet or uh, pig's feet to get in the collagen your body needs to straighten, uh, to help straighten that out. Are tendons yeah. and collagen, doctor, the same thing? Tendons are made of 100% collagen. Okay. Yeah, yeah she's got little bulges and things, but this will take care of it, right? You mean like a bulging disc in the back and blah, no, blah, no, blah? No, no, from her inner fingers because she's, she, she's got a whole thing of, you know, like a third ring finger. She's got a bulge and we call this details. So it's the same thing. No, it's not going to, the bulge is another matter. But, well, actually, soaking in a castor oil will take care of that because it will streamline the stuff she doesn't need and get rid of it. And obviously the basics, right? She's got to be drinking water. She has to be pooping three times a day. Otherwise, the body's not going to clean out uh, the crap. So, you know, she can go to VitalityCapsules.com, get some Vitality Capsules, get her, make sure she's pooping three times a day, and then add this uh, collagen that would be chicken feet or pig's feet, I think would give her the best results to her diet. So there's, um, there's, you're saying there's some kind of microbes or bad guys that are in there, in this thing, hanging out in there? That gets rid no, of No, not exactly. What I am saying is she's had poor use of her hands, and... Her body hasn't been able to maintain the tendons properly and repair them. So because of that, she's got the contracture. So she gives herself a large amount of good collagen in her diet. So this is not a case. So you don't want to buy the um, gelatin or collagen powder because that's made from uh, beef skin. She needs the tendons. And that would be in the chicken feet and the pig feet. So... Um, the skin gelatin isn't going to be as helpful to her as mm. the tendon gelatin. So that's the Great Lakes that we used to talk about. Uh, that's from skin, the animal skin, the Great Lakes gelatin. Yes, it's not. you're not going to get as much tendon quality gelatin as you would get, say, from the chicken feed mm. or the pigs. Is there any value in taking the Great Lakes gelatin for anybody? Depends on what your problem is. So, no. yeah, a lot depends. So if all you want is just beautiful skin, then sure, just, yeah, get the gelatin from the canisters or whatever it's granulated because most of it's made from animal skin but if you're trying to fix uh, a tendon issue then you want to go straight the to real the thing yeah hi dr daniels about two months ago <clears throat> my husband 56 eats organic drinks two liters of water poops three times a day not taking okay. any meds develop pain oh no meds he looks pretty good shape develop pain from neck down radiating to his left arm. Sometimes it even causes the earache and headaches. The collarbone area is very sensitive too, almost feels like a broken bone. The pain worsens in the car while driving. He supplied- We need to stop, stop, stop. Okay. Stop right now. Okay. Okay, so this guy's eating way too healthy. He's on an osteoporosis type diet. And the bones in his spine, neck spine, and in his uh, collarbone are, um, deteriorate and he hasn't got what it takes in his diet to maintain it. Now the driving is another uh, tip off. 
because when you drive, you're holding the wheel and you are stressing the collagen and the joints all the way up to the shoulder and the spine. And so he needs to change his driving style. What I would recommend is that he use his other hand that has not yet developed pain and that he, um, you know, change his diet. So maybe eat some, uh, you know, pork neck bones or something like that, that they're boiled up. And what the pork neck bones have in them is all the connective tissue of the right type and amount that will repair his neck. And then he needs to do uh, exercises, really gentle exercises, which is like start by looking straight ahead and then look up as far as you can without getting pain and then back to, to neutral, as far as you can and back to neutral. And then start going all the way down, chin to chest. So what you're trying to do is get a full range of motion of that spine and you're creating space in the spine so that there's not pressure on the nerves going down to this arm. Next thing he needs to do is uh, try to do some type of arm exercise. So I don't know how debilitated he is, but if he can do a push-up, great. Can't do a push-up, then just practice, you know, lowering and raising his arm. Whatever type of physical activity he can do to start strengthening the arm. Anything that hurts, don't do it. There'll be plenty of time to get to it as he heals. Um, okay, so that's the rebuild pro uh, part of it. The other part of it is if he can put castor oil on his neck, upper back, and certainly down the arm that's affected, um, then that will help take the pain. Uh, take the pain. And on the food, but his he, problem he, is his diet is de is deficient in um, the maintenance pieces, and he's using his hand. And it needs to be maintained. and He's not maintaining. And what does he want to eat more of again? I just heard you say pigs pigs neck or neck? pig neck bones neck bones. So that's going to give him all of these structures here. Hmm. Now, um, not all neck bones are smoked. So they do have fresh pig neck bones that are not smoked. I would recommend um, boiling them till they fall apart, till the bones literally separate. And then he can eat the solid stuff and also use the broth to make some kind of vegetable soup or something. Hmm. Pretty cool. Let's go to the phone here. Somebody's been waiting. Thanks for holding so long. Good uh, morning. Who's this? Hi, my name is Jill. Hi, Jill. You're on the air with Dr. Daniels. Go ahead. Hi, Dr. Daniels. Um, I kind of have a multifaceted question, if you can follow this with me. I'm no, 49. No, I can't. You're one time. <laughs> You're 49. Okay. I'm with I'm you. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm still with I'm 40, you. <laughs> I'm 49 now. When I uh -huh. was 37, I got triple negative breast cancer that was very aggressive. I didn't know. Excuse me. I didn't know at the time. I could hear, heal naturally. So I went through all radiation, and I went through um, 27 radiation and eight rounds of dose-dense chemo and had the full mastectomy. I know oh, now, no. yeah, I, I understand why it came to me. I thank God it came to me. I feel I'm in a healing zone now, but I just want to know what I can do to negate the, radia the radiation and and the chemotherapy, um, because even prior to that, I had a lot of issues as a kid where I think from listening to you were like connective tissue disorders and things like that, because I had thyroid very young, and I was kind of sick as a kid, a lot of vaccinations, those types of things. So now I'm 49. I was completely clear at surgery, so 
I don't believe the chemo did it. I believe God cleared me. Um, but here I am after the fact trying to heal and not sure what to do. So what needs okay, healing uh, for you now? Yeah, What's wait. going on? I don't have any information that I need to help you. So let okay. me ask a question. <laughs> Uh, what's going on now? What, are you having any symptoms? How are you feeling? Yeah, I have a lot of brain fog. Like I feel like I'm at quarter, like a quarter of a percent in terms of what my ability is. And, okay. Um, I get ex- yeah, um, just like knowing that there's more available that I can't access, maybe. And I get very fatigued during the day. Um, usually, I have to take a nap during the day. I've I'm doing all interventions I can possibly think to do, um, and uh, for, according to my naturopath, I'm just full of toxicity from the chemotherapy, but I think it's also, I, I've been on um, thyroid, uh, synthetic thyroid since I've been 18, so Okay, so let's I take guess, a pause, take a pause, we're going to take a pause here. Okay. So, uh, the brain fog and fatigue... Uh, let's just say right now that's the most important thing in front of your symptoms was, was interfering with your life. Does that sound about right? Yeah, pro- pro- that and, okay. the, and the extreme fatigue, yeah, the body fatigue. Yeah, brain fog and fatigue. So let's just get rid of those two things. Okay. And then uh, see how you feel. So your naturopath, if he thinks your problem is toxicity, I would definitely stop seeing him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Good one. The an opinion, do what you want, whatever. This is this information. It's a call and show, right? Who knows? Uh, so what you really have is you have profound, serious, extensive cellular damage from the radiation and the chemo. Okay, yeah. And okay. you are, and if you go on an aggressive cleansing program, you'll literally go down the drain, just pick out your coffin, your burial plot, or whatever, your crematorium. I don't know what your plans are. So if you go on an aggressive cleansing program from where you are right now, it's going to be devastating. Mm. Your brain fog is going to worsen, your fatigue is going to worsen, and and you're going to wonder why. So you should actually do like a pretty big U-turn and rebuild all of those damaged tissues. The first place to start is at least get your brain going so you can think straight and sort through things. And for that, I would recommend either pig brain or cow brain. Okay, I'm working on trying to source that. It's a little difficult where I am. You asked the wrong question. You asked the wrong question. So I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer the question you should have asked, which is: you got to do whatever it takes. You got to pay bribes. You got to buy the whole cow. Okay. Whatever you okay. got to do, you've got to do it. And you're going to start trying to buy this. They're going to look at you like you're some kind of cocaine addict. You're trying to get them locked up for dealing or trafficking something, whatever. So what you've got to do is ignore those reactions and be persistent. Okay. Uh, so cow brain or pig brain. The dose is two ounces a day. Okay. You have so to my, my, you have to cook okay. it with something else. So you cannot just eat, even though it's tasty enough. But you can't just cook some brain, put salt on it, and eat it. If you do, you're going to get a headache, dizziness, shortness of breath, and maybe pass out. Don't do that. So when you cook it, <laughs> it's got to be mixed with. So you have two ounces of brain. You have to eat at least a four to ten ounces of vegetable. Uh, at least two ounces of some kind of starch, like I don't know, rice or potatoes or something, uh-huh, uh-huh. and a quart and a quart of water. That's the minimum of what you've got to eat with it. You can eat more if you want. Okay. So that's the brain. Now the next thing. So that's going to immediately get rid of your brain fog, but that's only going to work mm, 
maybe for a week or two because you have two other serious malnutritional issues here. And we know that because your whole body is tired. So you have a liver deficiency. Yeah. Um, in fact, you may want to start by, by eating the liver first, six to 12 ounces a day. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Exactly. Now, let me ask you something. All right. I've been Wait, trying. Wait, we're not there I... yet. Not there okay. yet. We're not there Go ahead. You got to do whatever you've got to do to get that liver down. If you've got to bread it with white flour and salt and fry it, whatever you've got to do. You've okay, got that was to my question it. with the flour because I'm trying to avoid the flour because it's a, no, no, irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. Okay. Your problem okay. is the cholesterol. That's why you can't tolerate the flour. And so instead, what a lot of natural healers are doing, which is what I did 20 years ago, <laughs> is you tell people to stop eating the flour, but you don't realize their underlying problem is the cholesterol deficiency from massive cell damage. Like your body cannot repair unless it has boatloads of cholesterol because cholesterol is forms 10 to 20% of every cell membrane, but it is essential to the proper function of the cell. So you've got to do what you've got to do to get that liver down. Okay, but that's not enough. The liver is a lot like the brain, it's super concentrated. So you're gonna feel really lousy when you just nibble on your liver all day long. Don't do that. Instead, <laughs> however much liver you eat, you've got to eat about five times as much in vegetables and about half as much in starch. That's just, you know, general. And, of course, lots of water. Okay. What do you think? So that's a short answer. That's going to get rid of your brain fog and your fatigue. And any cleansing someone wants you to do, I would say take a look at all the cleansing you're doing. I'm sure you're doing a lot. Yeah. And pick one or two things and forget the rest. Because if right, you're doing I, 10 different cleansing things, you're killing yourself. All right. I just got, I was doing coffee enemas for like two years straight. And after listening to all your stuff, I, I've stopped that because I think that's not helping me. Um, mm -hmm. And I got Vitality capsules yesterday. I started on those. Um, right. They just came in. And I'm doing the shilajit in the water. Um, okay, you're off track. You're off track. Okay. You've got to focus, right. okay? Yeah, you've got brain fog, so of course you're going to be off track. I'm but, all over the place. I'm trying to heal so bad. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Don't do that. Focus on what I just told you, and then take a look at everything else you're doing. Anything that's in the cleansing category, just pick two of the cleansing things, and don't do any more cleansing than that, because your problem is you're missing a lot of spare parts. That's why your brain is fogging, and your brain is your body's tired. You're basically, your body is shutting down because it hasn't got what it needs to survive and live. Hmm. Okay, so my thyroid and the synthetic issues just put on the back burner for now? Yeah, I'm ignore it. I would ignore the thyroid. Ignore it. Totally ignore it. And just I mean, continue. taking a thyroid pill, okay, fine. Yeah. Take a thyroid pill. But any, any, any effort to heal your thyroid, stop it. <laughs> okay. Okay. How's that? Okay. So how, how long do you... So start with liver first and incorporate the liver with the brain or because I can I get liver, liver nope. first start yeah. liver first you're going to feel a difference you're going to feel more energy in your body when your energy uh, is feeling um, good mm -hmm. not excellent but good then I would start the brain and then you can double back to the liver and just kind of alter I would alternate them I wouldn't do them both in the same day it's a really you'll see when you eat the brain it is such an incredible uh, burst of nutrition that you almost have to sit down and let your body just heal and you'll feel your body like fixing itself when you eat it. 
But the problem with eating starting with the brain is in order for the brain to work, it needs cofactors, co-nutrients, and those are all in the liver. All right. Would So would you, would, should I still do the Vitality capsules and try to get onto the turpentine or put that on the back burner with the thyroid? I would do the Vitality capsules because in order for the, lymph, the uh, brain to work, you've got to poop three times a day. You've got to let your body know that it can throw out all those bad cells because you've got a place for it to put it. Like okay. the toilet. Right. All right. And then the turpentine, I would not, I would not I would not start the turpentine until I would say after after you've had the brain. But the brain is pretty dramatic. You'll notice a difference in two or three days. You know, this is not like medicine where you wait six weeks and maybe it happens and we'll do a test to see if it's working. No. You know it's working because you feel better. Okay. Right. Um, I, because of my surgeries, I have a lot of stagnant lymph, I, I, I have lymphedema down my left side, so my lymph gets really stagnant, and about once every six months or so, I get very bad cellulitis, and, a, like, where I'm fevering for 24 hours and can't move. Is, is that just stagnation, and? No, 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 no. So, what you need to do is, again, poop three times a day. Check that box. The next thing you do is to get your lymph moving is gentle stretches. So something as simple as lifting your arms over your head yeah. and bending over and trying to touch your toes. If you can't do that because you're too weak, do it in bed. Lay in bed. Put your hands over your head and then put your hands forward as far as you can go. No, I this can do that. Not- and usually I walk. I walk and then I try to clear my channels a couple of times a day. But sometimes yeah. it gets... Walking is... Um, yeah, walking's not it. I said stretch, all right? Stretch. Oh, okay, okay, stretch. You've got to okay. actually stretch. And what this does is it massages the lymph and gets the lymph moving. Okay. okay. And what's your name, my dear? Jill. Jill. Okay. Uh, th- thank you for calling, Jill. Um, thanks, Dr. Daniels. for uh, That was great. Uh, Jill, uh, if you, I do coaching sessions on the whole spiritual and um emotional stuff and if you want to soften that and help i, I could help you clean up thank a little you. bit on the emotional thing just email me okay thank uh, you thank yeah. you both all right, you. this is all really right. helpful thank, thank you. you okay bye-bye i like the doc where you got to really it's easy to blame yourself so she has sure. got to just yeah. let go of the past forgive herself for, for saying yes to all this stuff and say okay fine this is what i got it's gonna move forward yeah yeah i understand that was good good advice this is, uh, um, could you please ask Dr. Daniels what her take is on the world's dirtiest man who died at age 94 months after his first wash? What? Yes. How could, did you, how could someone live that long without washing? <laughs> did you hear about this guy? I, I, somebody told no, me No, no, but I, I, I can tell you. So let me just tell you about the, the, the natives. Ah. Uh, here in Panama, who live in the bush, they live in the jungle. They don't have plumbing, no plumbing. Um, if they want to wash, they have to go find a near river, maybe dump in or something. Okay. So what they do is they don't wash. They, don't they wash. poop. They don't wipe. Their, they don't wipe their butt. They don't. They they don't wash. So what happens when it rains? They walk in the rain, and literally the rain goes off their skin like it's a plastic raincoat. And so it turns out that the body forms its own protective layer. Oh, yeah. But because of our social cultural practices, 
We're like, oh, you stink. Oh, you got to take a bath. Oh, put some chemical perfume on and poison yourself. <laughs> so what happened is when he um, removed this whole crust of, we'll call it maybe debris or whatever, it exposed his skin. The pores were wide open. Then they gave him some soap, which is poison, went right into his blood and killed him. Wow. Sounds right. Amazing. Um, okay. Here it is. I'm 74. Uh, is vaginal bleeding a cause for concern? I was taking some <laughs> DHEA for a few months because they said older people do not produce much naturally. Then I started vaginally bleeding, not a lot. I stopped taking the DHEA a couple of months ago, but still bleeding some most days. I'm healthy otherwise, just some incontinence for which I do Kegels, no meds, no vaccines, no COVID. Is the bleeding cause for concern? Katie. Okay, so two ways to answer that question. Is it a cause to go to the doctor? No. Is it a cause to do something about? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Two different things. Two different things. Is it cause for concern? I don't know what that means. So I'm trying to clarify the question. So I'm, I'm thinking, the question, should she go to the doctor? She goes to the doctor, she's going to do a hysterectomy, which will make her bedridden for six weeks as she recovers. Now 74, that's definitely more damaging than, let's just go for it. She's got endometrial, I mean, yeah, endometrial cancer of the uterus. That's what doctors say you have if you have vaginal bleeding after whatever. Oh. But she's 74. If she leaves the cancer untreated, she'll likely make it to 78, 79, which is the average life expectancy of a North American woman. So, yes, it's a sign that things aren't perfect, but no, don't. Medical intervention is not going to be a uh, help here. So what can she do if she wants to get rid of it naturally? Uh, I always say what she should do is take... Uh, bitters and she's 74 so it's not the time for her to start brewing six weeks of bitters so get Campari bitters Campari bitters they're red reddish orange bottle it costs about 12 bucks and that's easily a month or two months supply can't hardly get cheaper than that um, and you want to take a quarter teaspoon in a cup of water once or twice a day and you want to build up to a total daily dose of a tablespoon do this over a period of two weeks. In other words, don't try to rush it. What's going to happen around day five, somewhere between day five and 10, is you're gonna be uh, just coughing up phlegm. Phlegm's gonna start coming out out of your mouth, you know, your nose. it's not gonna be painful. It's gonna come out and it'll be yellow, sometimes green, sometimes um, white. And it's gonna be sometimes hot, sometimes, but don't worry about it. So if it gets too much for you, then stop the bitters the phlegm will clear, and then resume the bitters at the dose where you stop. And what this does is it gets rid of uh, lymphatic uh, waste and cleans it out, and it should stop your bleeding nice. Just went over and opened the drapes. It's getting too dark in here. Well, that mm -hmm. sounds good. Um, uh, That's it. And the Kegels, you're wasting your time. I would say go to YouTube, and the videos to watch are... Get your splits in a day. Get your splits in a day. Get your splits. Obviously, you're not going to get your splits in a day at 74. But uh, those exercises will tighten up your sphincter and stop your incontinence. Um, from Deborah, I recently heard about people taking a canine dewormer to cure cancer. The active right. ingredient is fembendazole. Uh, right. This may not 
be old. This may be old. I don't know, old news. It is old news. Go ahead. It is old news, (laughs) but uh, what do you recommend? Why do you, would you recommend it even though it's a dog thing? Is she, does she have cancer is the question. Is she she trying to take it to the healthy? She doesn't say. Okay, so I would not recommend it for either. The reason I would not recommend it is the dosing is too frequent, it's inconvenient, and it has side effects. I would recommend if you're going to use dog or animal dewormer, definitely ivermectin. It's easy, and the dosing is once a month. So go for the ivermectin. Oh, go for the ivermectin. Um, do you have a remedy from Lisa for stopping postmenopausal flow? Hmm. After a smooth transition, things started to up again, coincidentally, after a certain test. Hmm. I would... <laughs> I wonder what the test was. pretty vague. Let me see if I can clarify this. Yeah. She said she had she's menopause. Her bleeding stopped for a year. She went and had some kind of intervention by a doctor, and now she just has bleeding. Not is sure. That, well, I don't know if she okay. did it for a year, doc. She just said post Yeah. No, no. Menopause is defined as one year with no bleeding. I see. So, okay. yeah, that's the definition of menopause. So if she says she's postmenopausal, she's had no bleeding for a year. She went to a doctor. The doctor stuck something up there. And now she's bleeding. Could be it. She doesn't. She's not real clear. We don't know. It has her periods resumed. So is she bleeding for four days, stopping in twenty-eight days more? So we we can't really answer this question because we don't know what the question is. It's too many euphemisms. We don't have it. We don't know what the question. We don't know. So the next question. I can't even smell euphemism. Spell euphemism. Okay. Um, let's. <laughs> see. Okay. Here's back up 